Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 29 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, brother? What's going on? I am officially done with winter, ET. Officially done. My hands, I'm, I'm wearing a hoodie, right? It's zipped up. My hands are in my pockets. I am legitimately compressing myself against myself so I can retain heat. The heating was on, but I am still cold. AEW leads me to believe that winter is coming. Winter is done. No, it's not coming. It's gone. It's over. Bring back the heat wave. I would rather sit and sweat than this. Even though I complained whenever it was hot that I would rather be in the cold so I could put more on. This is not the cold I meant. Okay? This is not the freezing winter that I want. You just want to be comfortable. You don't. You want that Goldilocks gimmick of it's not too hot, it's not too cold, it's just right. Yeah, that and the fact that it's for the last three days it's been foggy, so it's legitimately been the most miserable three days. Like, you know, the last three days, anyway. It's just been so miserable. I had to go out a couple of times through the week and, you know, uh, watching people just drive down this murky, soup-filled road. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You might want to slow down there, bud. And then you hear just honking of horns. You're like, saw that coming. Now I feel you. But other than it being cold, uh, how are you doing otherwise? I know that you are... As we get down into, we're in December as of right now, I know sort of classes and school is wander, winding down, so just wondering how are your oosologist going with your oosology uh, courses going? Oh, yeah, like, uh, Sammy has been running a pretty tight ship, but he, uh, he has uh, allowed us. Last week was our, last Tuesday was our last class, so we don't actually have any more uh, any more classes until after the the holiday season? So I'm very thankful to Professor Sami. He is nothing if not uh, benevolent in his teaching. Plus, I am feeling rather oozy myself, and you know, it, it's it's the understanding of it is uh, is definitely coming. I feel like I'm going to pass the midterm. Fair enough. Well, we hope you folks are staying warm or staying cool, depending on what's going on with you. And you're feeling pretty oozy, like we're pretty, like we are feeling pretty oozy. So appreciate everybody giving us a listen, giving us a watch. Thank you for coming on along with us on this journey today. Hope you're doing well wherever you are, and hope you're feeling oozy and you're getting your oozology courses done in time for the holiday. All right, as a reminder, you can find us in video form at YouTube.com/slash Council. And in audio forum, wherever you get your podcast from. On this week's episode, we look at MJF and Ricky Stark's confrontation on AEW Dynamite. So, MJF and Ricky Starks had quite the interesting interaction on this past week's episode of AEW Dynamite. How we got there. Well, let me break it down for you. 
And we see the beginning of AW Dynamite. We see the Dynamite Diamond Ring Battle Royale, of course, which Ricky Starks ends up winning, last eliminating all ego Ethan Page to win the right to challenge Maxwell Jacob Friedman for the Dynamite Diamond Ring going forward. Soon as he wins, immediately after, enter MJF. Max gets on the mic and says Brian Danielson didn't show up because he's terrified of Max after what he did to William Regal. Max is going to be a four-time Dynamite Diamond Ring champion and still world champion. Max turns to Starks and says compared to MJF, he's the drizzling-ish. Or should he say Ricky's a Rudy Pooh candy ass? Starks has stolen everything else from that guy. Max tells Ricky he's nothing more than dollar store Dwayne, so he's going to start calling him the Pebble. So at winter's coming, Max is going to put him in his pocket, hop in his brand new Porsche, and drive him all the way back to Billy Corgan's NWA so Ricky can wrestle on YouTube where he belongs. So Max doesn't care about that Ricky's absolute because Max is a generational talent, and his reign of terror has just begun. So, soon as we see Dynamite start, of course, the aforementioned Dynamite Diamond Ring Battle Royale, which was kind of fun, just a, you know, kind of a thing. We got to see uh, a number of kind of things kind of happen. Uh, specifically, a little bit more featured was the Matt Hardy piece being kind of told into the firm obviously under the control of sort of Ethan Page and, and Stokely, but we ended up getting there, and man, just MJF just coming out hot and just throwing some barbs right at Ricky. Yeah, I, I said this to you the other day. I can't remember because we, 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 do this, uh, we do this thing where you and I will talk on a Friday about what we want to talk about, and sometimes we will talk um, about things that never get onto the show. Um, very true talk at length and i will talk at length about things that interest me the point of yeah i can never repeat any of that because as soon as it's out of my mouth you know from brain to out of mouth and i've expelled all that information i forget it immediately so i can't remember if i've I've said this on the show or if it was one of those wee segments that those we you know chats we had but i legitimately called ricky starks a, a baby rock I literally called him Pebble. And I said to you yesterday, I was like, MJF is listening in our conversations. He's stealing stuff from me. I'm going to have to actually get on to him. But like, Max, you can't be doing this. I only have so much charisma. You have it all. Like, you have the hair and you have the body. Can I not just have this one thing? It's like this originality. Um, So I laughed. I, I honestly, you know, besides the point, I laughed so much whenever he called him the Pebble. Because I was like, sure i said that um and i love the fact that he's doing this because somebody else is, is seeing the references it's not a bad thing to be called uh, a miniature version of Dwayne the rock uh jansen so i mean it's 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 a nice little comparison um and i i like the fact that um i like the fact that mjf has picked up on it and uh, has you know poked the bear a little bit it's never a bad thing when you remind someone 
of somebody else and, and especially of somebody who's so popular and kind of a, a cornerstone, especially for the WWF's attitude era in the rock. Obviously he's still kind of pertinent in media right now, of course, doing movies and things like that. So I think it's something that you and I have kind of either off or on camera. I know we've kind of chatted about it. Ricky's name has come up a couple of times just over the course of the show, as well as our conversations. And I think you or I, or even both mentioned, you know, he's got that piece where he's, uh, you know, he can, he can go in the ring, but he's also like, we feel he's just a bit more stronger between mic skills and ring skills, just maybe on the mic. And like I said, he's just, he can go and he can cut a promo and he can be very compelling for sure. So where I'm going with this is he has those little mannerisms, the way he carries himself, maybe the way he moves a little bit in his cadence, has a little bit of uh, Rock the Dwayne Johnson-ish type of things, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. He's mentioned that he's taken sort of an amalgamation of all these kind of different things, little pieces from kind of a bunch of different people as well. So when you're inspired by folks, you're bound to have little kind of things peek through and, and, and kind of come through when you're either speaking or wrestling. Be that as it may, to have sort of comparisons and kind of people notice that is good, but you can tell that Ricky definitely wants to kind of be his own person kind of thing. Maybe take nods, but definitely maybe not be another rock or another pebble in this case, but be maybe like the first Ricky Starks. Yeah, hundred um, percent. That is, that is legitimately what he wants to be. Like everybody wants to be their own original. They will take, they will take inspiration from other people. You will take inspiration from the greats who have done it, who've done it before, who have made the formula. And all you want to do is build upon the formula that they, that they have given you. Um, and that is completely understandable what you want to do. Uh, the Rock uh, had his way of doing it. He got it wrong at the start, and then you know, built built into built into an absolute superstar megastar. Um, you know, th- so the fact the fact is that we're not expecting every um, we're not expecting every superstar of either company or any company. To get it right out of the box, we want to see that progression. I prefer to see that progression, and if you can harken back to comparisons, then that's that's fantastic. Um, and as far as comparisons go, that wasn't the only comparison made this evening because yet again our conversations were stolen by Ricky Starks when he referenced low hanging fruit and Rowdy Roddy Piper and the fact that he poked fun at everything we had a conversation about. Did he not, PT? I will get to it in just a moment, but yes, those things are actually said by Mr. Richard Starks. Confirmed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we are we are planning out AEW's programming for them here at KFAVE Council. It's okay. You don't have to admit to uh, following one of the smallest wrestling podcasts out there on the YouTubes, but just want a little bit of a nod. Like we mentioned, Mr. Khan and Mr. Levesque, we have our consulting fee is out there if you want to hire us proper. 
as a creative consultant or put us on the writing team, you're more than welcomed. We have a ton of ideas, we work well with others, and we can contribute to the team. Yeah, we'll work for food. All right, so definitely a hot start, of course, anytime you have kind of MJF kind of coming out there and he sort of has a goal, sort of has a kind of mission that he kind of wants to go and through a couple barbs, you know, calling Ricky the drizzling-ish, obviously an old kind of term that is used throughout the, the piece. So again, harkening back to kind of a little bit old school mannerisms from there. Of course, the rock piece, I did like him just kind of saying, oh, Rudy Poo kind of thing. Nice little callback again for maybe some lapsed fans and, and sort of vaguely getting the point but then he mentions Dwayne sort of the do the dollar store Dwayne piece them and then the other piece of note just throwing back to saying I'll I'll put you back to Billy Corgan's NWA wrestle on YouTube so obviously Ricky had spent some time in NWA just before coming to AEW but man he was he was kind of coming out and just trying to see if Ricky can stand in the fire and the hot plate, and he ends up holding his own. So definitely kudos to him. Yeah, as as far as promos go, uh, the only people that I consider that can go with uh, MJF, in a sense of uh, actually being able to compete with him on the mic, not just call and response, not just. Uh, calling him out on being bored of him talking, you know, like like a normal baby face would do, or a brawler would do. Somebody who can actually give as good as they get. Ricky Starks, in my opinion, is number two on the mic in AEW. And it was great to see this sort of um this sort of barb fest that we had between the two. It was great. Alright, so we're gonna see Ricky's response and his retort right here. Starks cold shoulders his way through Friedman on his way to getting a microphone. Ricky calls Max Maxi Pad. Says he should expect a fifth-rate Roddy Piper wannabe to come out here and try to steal the spotlight. Oh, you trash the city, you trash the people. How much more shtick you got because the low-hanging fruit is running dry. Every week, MJF comes out here smelling like paint thinner and ass. His eczema, like he lay down in an anthill for a week. His clothes don't fit. Max thinks he's better than Starks. Everything about Max screams cheap. From his suits to his heat. And he's our AEW world champion? The title comes with responsibility that MJF knows nothing about. The difference between them is that Ricky gives the people a reason to keep cheering, but Max lets everyone down every time. Max can run off because he got out-politicked by somebody smarter than him, but Ricky's here every week. Ricky. Hot dang. Love Hot it. Dang. Absolutely loved it. From his suit to his heat, everything is cheap. Like, absolutely loved that line where he just sort of called out the low hanging fruit, called out the fact that he is a fifth rate Roddy Piper, 
uh, you know, called out the fact that this was this was something that uh, we have been witnessing in the last few weeks. That obviously he has been doing more and more of this low hanging fruit, the whole uh, pop the cheap heat, um, the uh, the personal insults. I I kind of enjoyed because these are not something that a typical baby face kind of uh player has done like they don't insult it's like excuse me sir but will you kindly go to the back of the line because your eczema is just awful right now like you are insulting me with your mere pre this is this is the kind of the kind of reaction that i was getting from ricky is that he felt insulted by being in MJF's presence, and that is that is peak rock. Like whenever Rock was doing his his uh, corporate rock shtick, like he was coming out in the fancy shirts and the the, the chains, and he was you know the bigger than thou and all that that all that there. Like I absolutely loved that stuff, and that is what Ricky is bringing to the table right now. He is you know coming out. Uh, whenever he's not in his wrestling gear, he's coming out looking expensive. He looks a million bucks. He uh, he treats himself like a million bucks. But MJF always comes out with that Burberry scarf, with that with that uh, with that suit coming out. You're just like, okay, but we we know that it's you, but you don't add any shine to it. Every time Ricky comes out, there's always this shine, this sparkle with the man. So you love to see that sort of conceited nature of the guy uh coming through going your eczema like you uh like you were lying on an anthill it's like okay bro calm down um i really really enjoyed his insults uh and it was great not to see someone else just go oh i'm sure you're you know i'm just gonna kick your ass it's like, it's like you're beneath me right now mjf you're beneath me so I'll have to do people a favor because you're annoying. It's a very interesting point that you brought the notion of The Rock. And The Rock, whether he was a heel or a face, pretty much within his, his strong run, sans Ma Rocky Maivia. Whether he was a face or a heel, he did sort of kind of toe that line where he would, he would make fun of his opponent and he would kind of have that sort of, not quite nursery rhyme thing, but sort of have that kind of sing-songy kind of playful banter where he would just kind of insult them whether they were a face or a heel whether he was a face or a heel he would kind of do that so we've seen up until now ricky spent a good amount of time on aw more as a heel obviously he's coming into his own a bit more of as a as a face uh, lately but it was cool to see him being able to have that banter and kind of stand his ground and like you had mentioned give as good as he got so they're uh, much like in the vein of of a rock he he was given it there and it reminds me as you were kind of speaking there was a a piece on twitter i think it was just kind of scrolling through something and wrestling twitter is always interesting it's a hodgepodge you never know what you're going to get but mm -hmm. there was a like kind of just a kind of a quick meme where maybe it was a game of Thrones reference never watched it please don't be mad at me sorry but it was uh, kind of like a dragon just spitting fire, and it was like, oh, this is MJF. And then it cuts to down where the fire is, and it's maybe one of the, uh, uh, the Nightwalkers just kind of sitting there, just in the fire, just chilling. And it's like, oh, this is Ricky. 
So it was to that point, he was kind of standing in the vitriol and in, in the firing line of a MJF kind of barbs and, and, and sitting in the sort of the heat of the frying pan of the fire type of thing. Ricky stood his ground and he was like, you know what? To your point, like you said, he gave as good as he got. And he was showing that at least from a a promo standoff thing that this is different, much like you said, from interactions we've seen with MJF talking to a Regal or a John Moxley more recently. It's a different kind of promo. And like I said, I'll bring it home here. Ricky gave as good as he got. He stood his ground and he looked strong in comparison to other MJF face-to-face promos that we've seen. Yeah. Variety is the spice of life. And whenever you have variety, there is always a great thing in the sense that your palate is always experiencing something fun and interesting. So whenever you have this same sort of formula going on with Babyface versus Hale, and it's always the same thing, and you're always expecting the villain to do the typical thing of calling them weak, calling them not worth their time, this, that, and the other, and then you have the the good guy going, oh, I'll show them a fight, I'll do this here, I'll do that there and the other. It gets boring. It's bad storytelling. Every company is is, um, criminally uh, responsible for what, yeah, guilty for for what they do in regards to these promos. Um, But you always get that random combination of individuals who give you some fire and mjf and ricky give not just the promo of the night but i would say the promo battle of the last few months because everything before and since has and will be typical baby face versus hail or just absolutely dry like i don't think there's any other word for it just than just dry um the the fact that ricky you know gave him the hard it wasn't even a cold shoulder he literally just charged the shoulder straight into max and you saw that all right what do you think you're doing um walked over grabbed the mic and then you know called him maxi pad got the chance you know insult after insult after insult which is what MJF is good at, which is kind of not what we're used to. We're used to having this clean person go, uh, oh yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to beat you. You can talk all the trash you want, but at the end of the day, I am the better wrestler, and that, then they lose. So it's always good to hear smack talk. I thought that Ricky's sort of repartee with him was actually a great launching point for what could be the rest of his career because we all find those pivotal points of uh, of the careers of individuals and the fact that we have been uh focusing especially this episode of dynamite on the pillars we have two pillars here who uh well let's face it are set to clash in one of most fantastic uh matches i think that we're going to get out of the year at the end of the year yeah that's a really good point the notion of 
know, we just had MJF's piece and then Ricky's response. It's always good, and you talk about variety of having a different spin sort of on a promo, or just people can get into it. The crowd reaction when Ricky just kind of came back and, like I said, gave as good as he got, and coming up with the little Roddy Piper line, the maxi pad thing, kind of all these little different little stings, and crowd was getting into it. Then us watching at home, we're kind of like, ooh, yeah. So when you can get the illicit reaction from the crowd and ergo from the folks at home, that's when you're like, ooh, this is getting good. This is something a little different. This is, ooh, I'm interested in this. So yeah, kudos definitely to both guys and yeah, just young guys too, which is nice. You know, it's not just a bunch of, veterans just kind of going home for it it it's a little bit of a harken back to sort of 2019 aw when they were they had some veterans they had young guys but it was a bit more variety spread and we were featuring the young guys so it's actually really really nice to see at least for a couple weeks maybe like three or four weeks we're having young guys be sort of the focus of the world title picture which is fantastic always build to the future brother yeah, love to see it. Absolutely fantastic to see it. All right, and we get into the last portion of the promo here. This is still Ricky Stark speaking to MJF. Friedman's avoids pressure. Starks takes it in. Ricky does the meet and greets, and besides Max's nose being a little darker than the rest of his body, Ricky lives with dignity and respect. When Ricky was living in his car in South Austin, he was grinding. And Max thinks that just because he pays people and kisses ass, he can get whatever he wants. Next week, which of course is winter coming when they have the matchup. Next week is a big deal. And next week, Ricky's going to stomp the mole off Max's neck, stomp his ass in, and Ricky's going to take that title and do Max a favor that he's never had done in his life. Ricky's going to take the responsibility off his plate, little boy. Max, reasonable as ever, kicks him right in the gentleman's area. Looking for a lariat, Ricky ducks and turns Max ass over tea kettle with a spear. And we close the segment with Starks holding up the title. So again, calling Max out. Little bit of the uh, shoot becomes a work, work becomes a shoot piece. So, yeah, I mean, you're perfectly legitimately allowed to utilize the 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 history. Um, and and you know, I'm not going to begrudge uh, Ricky trying to get some trying to get a cheap pop because they were in Texas. So the fact that he was using the fact that he was in Austin and the the commentators and uh, you know me had mentioned that Ricky is sort of an adopted son of Texas as well like the, the whole the whole fact that he'd lived here uh and um and grind grind out his early early years in his career here um so like that, that I'm not I'm not a I'm not beyond giving him credit for having a little bit of a cheap pop moment like everybody like if you can work that in fantastic and he worked it in like a natural so I thought it was great um the the brown nosing comment love that uh the the whole insult you know adding more to this insult uh i really thought he was bang on 
so fantastic with his promo here and then to, to top it all off that he was just gonna take all that responsibility off his shoulders like i thought that was the key piece to ending uh ending a really really good promo and the real reason why mjf went for the yambag jones region like just completely heat him off because this is what you this is what you want to do with your career. You want to reach the big belt in any promotion you're in. You always want to get that big belt. Um, and the fact that you have that big belt means you get more responsibility. And he's saying that he's shying away from it. Ricky's saying that you know then that he he doesn't shy away from it. That he will take it off his shoulders, little boy. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, and the fact that uh, the spear at the end. Um, beautiful. The, I'm in agreement with you that that line about taking the responsibility was the really piece that the nail in the coffin, so to speak, and and sort of that exclamation part mark on the promo itself. And you said all the right things when you when you get when you're chosen and you end up becoming the world champion of your promotion. You're the person that folks look to officially or unofficially kind of sometimes for guidance or they they look at how you carry yourself when when you're in front of the camera and uh, behind the curtain as well people are going to be constantly looking at you so you have that sort of responsibility and this sort of pressure on you and max in a previous promo is just like you know i'm not going to defend the title i'm not even going to make appearances to sat in the third so you have this notion of him just cementing the fact like I'm just going to be doing me and I happen to also be the world champion and whatever. And this is kind of how it's going to go. And Ricky just coming right back, literally sort of the next week. And he's like, you know what? If you don't kind of want to hold that prestige and hold that piece, I'll take it right off your shoulders, Jack. And I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the guy. So fantastic piece right there. I thought the, just the, the interaction as a whole, we mentioned it throughout, but these guys, two young guys, just whole in their own and having a crazy good town hall promo face to face and just put, being put in the spotlight. And I got to say, just the segment I felt like was a home run. Oh, 100%. Sometimes you take a real gamble when you put in your young talent um, to have uh, a sort of big uh, moment like this. And uh, honestly, it paid off because. As far as young talent go, Ricky Starks and Maxwell Jacob Friedman are two of the best to put uh, to put any money on for who is going to have a marquee uh, point in the night. Uh, I really, really enjoy these two. I can't see any reason why uh, it would be a flop for them, honestly. And um, they kind of exceeded my expectations. I wasn't expecting MJF to come out and, and, and start all this nonsense but uh ricky kind of gave as good as he got like i said before and um it, it ended up being like you you had mentioned to me beforehand because you would you would be able to watch before i can get to watch the shows you had said i really enjoyed a segment as a result of a match and i was like okay 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 so there's there's something that's going to happen and I was kind of watching, and MJF came. Out, I was like, "Oh, this this is a hundred percent what PT's on about." Like, you know. Uh, and I sat and I watched it, and I loved it. So, whenever you can have 
two young up-and-comers the you know the, the kind of foundations of your company um have people excited to watch their segments that can only mean good things as Joger mentioned i'm in the state so i can watch the shows sort of the night uh, maybe like just after they happen things like that and, and joker usually i'll watch it sort of the next day or in the morning type of thing like that so try to be a good brother and not give away spoilers but i positioned i was like hey i watched dynamite and i think i have a thing that i was really enjoyed and want to talk about and just sort of let it and i was like hey and i think my verbiage was as you mentioned it's a result of a match and again no spoilers didn't want to be that guy just want to be a good brother and you knew exactly what I was talking about, so heck yeah. Yep. And anytime you mention, it's like, oh, I've got a thing. And I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And as soon as something, because I know, like, I know what we're, we're kind of on the same wavelength with an awful lot of things that uh, kind of result in, uh, in the quick hits and stuff. So much so that I've done quick hits that have been from you because we've both had it and you've done the same thing. Like, it's one of those things that we really enjoy the same sort of style of thing that comes through uh comes through any of the promotions so yeah this was definitely one of those things that i was uh super stoked to see yeah just fantastic segment all around as well and like we said just young guys just getting getting the opportunity to just show what they got and they're forged in fire and they just hit it home run as well so but we have a piece here just looking at sort of ricky's growth since He's been kind of coming into the company and things like that. In the promo itself, MJF mentions that he, Ricky Starks, spent some time in NWA, mentioning he'll bring him back to Billy Corgan's NWA and put him back on YouTube. But Ricky ends up making his debut for the National Wrestling Alliance at the 70th anniversary show on October 21st, 2018, uh, competing in a four-way elimination match against Jay Bradley, Mike Parrow, and Willie Mack which, of course, Willie Mac won. Starks entered into a tournament to determine the inaugural holder of the NWA World Television Championship and then Hard Times event on January 24, 2020. He defeated Eddie Kingston in the first round, Matt Cross in the second round, and Tim Storm in the semifinals, and then finally Trevor Murdoch in the finals to become the NWA World Television Champion. And... That's pretty much when he had the television championship from NWA. That's when I sort of first began to notice Ricky and being on the NWA programming and kind of being in promos and things. And that's sort of my first inclination. Were you familiar at all with Ricky sort of maybe during this time sort of in NWA? Not in NWA, no. I think my, my first inclination of Ricky was his early stuff in AEW during the pandemic. Um, I was not aware of any of the stuff that he did in NWA. No worries. Okay. And then subsequently, and this was on January 24, so on May 18, a couple months later, it's announced Starks was no longer with NWA as his contract had expired. Now... For AEW on June 17, so roughly a month's time after his contract was up with NWA, on the June 17, 2020 episode of Dynamite, Sarks makes an unannounced debut for AEW and he answers Cody's open challenge for the TNT Championship in a losing effort. So this was most likely a lot of folks' introduction to Ricky 
uh, for sure yeah. when he opens this is 100 mine cody's open challenge so yeah that along with eddie kingston as well like they both kind of debuted in that in that similar spot like that was my introduction to both of those guys actually yes for sure i think the nature of having the sort of quote-unquote gimmick of the tnt championship especially during sort of the, that cody error was just kind of having folks a little bit different thing just kind of answering the call and like before mentioned we got to see ricky we got to see eddie and there was a few others that were just like "Ooh, these are interesting folks that i may not be familiar with but sort of trial if you will and they both hit it out of the park and obviously continued to be with AEW going forward. Mm. All right. A couple months later on January, excuse me, on July 21 episode of dark after defeating Will Hobbs Starks aided Brian cage in attacking Robert Anthony and Darby Allen after their match, creating an alliance between the two Ricky and Brian, the team managed by Taz now known as Team Taz, began feuding with Darby Allen as they faced Allen and John Moxley on the July 29th episode of Dynamite, where they were defeated. A couple months later, we have on November 18, 2020, on the episode of Dynamite, Will Hobbs would join Starks, Taz, and Cage Alliance after he struck Cody with Cage's FTW Championship belt, and then assisted them in attacking both Allen and Cody as well. So now we're into November 18, 2020, and we're seeing that Team Taz sort of proper. Ricky, Ryan Cage is the FDW champion, and Will Hobbs. So nice kind of strong piece. We're having Ricky in this unit. We have Taz as the mouthpiece, of course. This is really before we got to see Ricky kind of hone in on being speaking on the mic and things of such. So... I think it was a I think it was a decent move to kind of ease his way into a bigger promotion and bigger piece and just kind of being part of the group. So I was digging it there for sure. What about you? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I loved his inclusion. He was um, to, to actually even bring it back to the Rock again. Um, if we if we consider the parallels to the Nation as well where the rock comes in he's just a kid and they take him under the wing and farouk is doing all this uh all this work um being the mouthpiece and then eventually you know needs needs must because the rock is becoming an even bigger star he then takes the lead much akin to how you know you had big old brian cage there who was the kind of center focus you had willie hobbs come in um, and you had this Ricky Starks who became sort of bigger than Brian Cage. And from there, he became the head, uh, the head piece of, uh, of Team Taz as well. Another little sort of similarity, if not parallel, to, uh, to what we have with, uh, with the ongoing pebble slash rock uh, comparisons. I just kind of find it really fun to to look at those kind of situations and go actually you know it is, it is a really funny similarity but also go like the guy put himself in a really good situation his debut with cody to this situation he he became a star 
Like honestly, whenever I saw him with whenever I saw him with Cody, I loved the match. I just remember I don't I don't remember much from 2020 because 2020 was a, a year of let's let's just forget about it. But um I remember loving him as a character and seeing him go into this Team Taz thing. I really love Team Taz. I think Taz is a fantastic manager slash uh, coach kind of guy. Um, so to see him have that sort of influence as well on his wrestling, I, I, th- I felt like he could only go up from there. Really phenomenal observation to get bringing in sort of the younger guy who's definitely got potential and talent into a group of others where he can lean on some of the other guys and, and work the old Paul Heyman guy, uh, sentiment of working to strengths and hide the weaknesses that you can kind of learn alongside and just kind of get better and, and not sort of be overexposed when you're completely by yourself. So I think in agreeance, I liked the Team Taz contingent that we have here. Mm-hmm. All right, on to January 20, 2021. The episode of Dynamite, it was announced that Starks and Brian Cage would face Darby Allin and Sting in a street fight at Revolution, a cinematic match that Starks and Cage ultimately lost. That particular match was just super fun. Again, we are sort of in the quote-unquote pandemic era where we're having a little bit more of a different spin on things and the aforementioned match at revolution just definitely cinematic match takes place in this kind of warehouse really cool setting filmed really well and just i thought it was just a fun match overall what were your impressions of that in that warehouse i thought it was so fun i thought there was a lot of really cool things the 2020 era of cinematic matches i really liked that kind of change um, because obviously there are some matches where you want to have a big pop you want to have the crowd react you want to have these things happen but if they don't happen it can really draw away from the match notable things like the undertaker's last match and ray wyatt versus john cena in wwe to to make the point um those matches really needed a crowd behind them because John and Bray are such huge stars. And then you had AJ versus uh, The Undertaker, again, huge stars. That needs a crowd. The Undertaker needs to feed off the crowd, so does John. So whenever you have someone like Sting come into this match, he needs to feed off the crowd. Like the other guys in there, maybe not so much, but Sting is, his moniker is the icon. So the fact that we had a cinematic match here meant that they understood the gravity of the match with such a personality as Sting and him holding on Darby Allen uh, and sort of trying to elevate him. And they gave the responsibility to Ricky and to Brian to sort of um, basically play ragdolls and, and play, play the victims in this because that is how they did it. And the the different layers they did throughout this in the, in the big warehouse, I really enjoyed. Um, I wasn't a, such a big fan. I, I'm never. I'm. I really hate this trope from Sting. I'm not a big Sting fan. Uh, you know, I, I really hate all your favorites, so it's fine. But um, I'm not a big. I'm not a big uh, fan of the everybody wears a Sting mask and just stands there and looks like Sting. I'm I'm kind of done with that. 
I was done with that whenever it was done the very first time. And now I'm done with it even more. So it was just, I really disliked that part of the match. But other than that, it was just sort of, it was, it was a really, really fun aspect that showcased the abilities of Ricky, Brian, and Darby uh, without such hindrances as a steel crowd or a crowd that maybe weren't as into them as they would have been into Sting. So I really, really liked that aspect of it. That's fair. I'm remembering in my brain, and this probably happened roughly around this time, since he was Ricky was in a feud in the collective around Darby Allen, where Ricky came out dressed as Darby and had like the little chain and, and the piece and had his his gear and stuff on. And I was like, oh man, this is uh kudos to uh to Ricky for kind of pulling off and it was like that was actually an like interesting that. look. So it's just it's kind of funny. So I'm not gonna be a hypocrite. I didn't like that either. Fair enough. I'm not a fan. All right, so that was in January and uh, the early in the year. So we move on to July 14, 2021, one night, excuse me, night one of Fighter Fest. Starks wins the FTW World Championship from Brian Cage, winning the first championship in AEW, although the title itself is not officially sanctioned from the company. So we see that on July 14 of 2021. We fast forward a year's time at Fight for the Fallen on July 27, 2022. Starks issues an open challenge, which is immediately answered uh, for Danhausen, um, and he defeats it there. And then we have him answering a, or rather calling another open challenge, which was answered by Hook, his Team Taz teammate, who defeats Ricky for the title. And after the match up there we have a post-match impassioned promo from starks and we get that powerhouse hobbs attack on him turning starks face the sort of infamous noose slash necktie promo so we see starks holding the fdw championship for basically a year's time uh, dropping it to hook and then this is that that night of the promo which you and i really really enjoyed absolutely loved it can't say enough good things about it because we, we actually had a conversation about that, I believe, um, about how much that, that, that was that was wherever where we kind of started to feel like he he did, at least in my opinion, he did resemble the rock uh, in his sort of impassioned promo and his sort of cadence, his his um, his, his basically his kind of character work that I felt like, yeah, was, this was this is his end of his Rocky Maivia stage um for me uh and really starting into his the rock stage and because it was super interesting i just pulled the the bit of the promo here so if you will indulge me for a moment have it here so the promo post-match i was given that ftw title when people thought it was a noose i turned it into a tie and i made the most of it i took leather and metal and made it into gold I brought that title back to prominence. Nobody back there can say they did, but I did. It was me. I exceeded all expectations, busted my ass every day, and never gave up, even when it was less than 100%. I deserved to be here talking to all y'all for more than 40 seconds. I deserve that. And there are people back there who tell me, hey, be patient, wait your turn. Your time's gonna come. I don't want to hear that no more. My time was last month, 
My time was last year. My GD time is right now. I don't want to hear people say that I had a string of bad luck. It's not bad luck. It's just a string of bad timing. Gets Pearl Harbored, as Gorilla Monsoon would say, by Powerhouse Hobbs, and ends the promo, but yeah, you and I agree. That was, man, we're like, okay, because we've heard Ricky speak on the mic before. You know, we've, we had those sort of elements that we liked, but this was, I'm in agreement, like you said, this was the moment we're like, ooh, I think we got something here. Hmm. Okay. He was, he was held, held the FTW championship for a year, had some good matches, things as such, but ooh, turning point for sure. Yeah, definitely can't say enough good things about that promo, honestly. All right, and then, of course, the following week, Taz, while on commentary, announced that he had dissolved Team Taz. Sars comes, uh, then comes out to confront Hobbs on the August 3rd episode of Dynamite, only for his former partner to hit him with a spinebuster and leave the ring. And then we fast forward to the 23rd of November episode of Dynamite. Starks defeats Ethan Page in the finals of the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament and will face champion MJF at Winter is Coming. So we've seen quite the bit of growth from Ricky for sure. Yeah, there's been definitely that sort of... We've seen... If we take just his AEW run for an example really quickly. Uh, we've seen him come in as that uh, sort of underdog that was coming in to fight the vet and Cody. Uh, coming in, the, in all honesty, everybody coming in to fight that fight. Um, we saw so many people come in. Um, some who didn't get contracts, Ricky who did. They were obviously going to lose that match. Um, but the fact then that he came in, he got picked up, he kind of got put into a stable with Taz, which already you're being put into an absolutely amazing stable. Uh, and you're next to a guy like Brian Cage, who everybody in the know around AEW, uh, and if you're watching AEW, you kind of understood some of these indie guys, some of these other promotional guys. And I knew a little bit about Brian Cage because he was this guy that was always huge, able to do some flippy dippy stuff that brought the Braun Strowman hates, which always which always brings me joy. So I love those big guys that are um athletic and can do uh, acrobatic stuff. Case in point, my favorite wrestler of 2022, Jeff Cobb, just because um I don't think that you could really have a, a better team for sort of Ricky to kind of study with uh, in the sense that, you know, you have this guy that has been all over the promotions. You have this guy who is just an absolutely, absolute legend of wrestling. Um, So whenever he was given this other sort of stuff to work on, it was amazing that he already had the promo skills. Like he already had those skills to talk. He didn't really need to work on those, but it was fantastic to see that he worked on those all the same. And I really wanted to see him win more and more and more and more and more up to this point. But I'm excited then by the fact that he has sort of won a little bit um, in most recent memory uh, of the tournament. And then 
he is going into this high-profile match. I really like this trajectory for him. Uh, it, it's, it's really interesting to see how AEW will take him afterwards. I don't think this is a spoiler in saying I don't think he's going to beat MJF. I don't think anybody is going to disagree with me in thinking that he's going to beat MJF. That is not a slight on him. That's a slight on the storytelling. Not much of one. I just don't think it's the right time. So I'm more interested in what happens after this feud with, uh, in, in air quotes, uh, with MJF than I am with what's going on right now. I'm just so excited to see the fact that Ricky has been put on TV and given a sort of He's been given a couple of fireworks, not not quite a rocket, but a couple of wee fireworks have been strapped to his back, and he's 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 taken off a little bit. Yeah, with the combination of Team Taz and his debut and his sort of character arc so far, I think he's been placed well there. To be fair, I agree, it's not a rocket strapped, but he's been given some opportunities and things. Especially, there was a little bit of stagnation, perhaps towards the end of his FTW title reign, where he was doing more tag team matches with Hobbs than he was sort of focusing, kind of being like that, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it was kind of showing off that, which ended up leading to his his feud with Hobbs there. But yeah, I think it's quite the quite the story arc for sure. I you touched on him. While sort of being in Team Taz, you know, he had, he was having, being surrounded by these guys, but also just having sort of mic skills already. I remember a promo or two from NWA, and then obviously we're fast forwarding now to where we are in the present moment, talking about this confrontation and this promo. And yeah, like we mentioned, we always felt he was, he's fun to watch in the ring, but we always felt he was stronger with the mic. That's not a knock on him at all, but sometimes, like we mentioned, some guys and gals are a little bit stronger on the mic or in the ring and maybe don't have sort of equal footing on both. Sometimes they lean towards one, but yeah. The aforementioned match with MJF at Winter is Coming, as announced on AW Rampage, it is for the World Championship and the Dynamite Diamond Ring. So we have both prizes up for grabs in one matchup coming up and should be sort of interesting and fun to watch. We've seen Max, of course, I think back to a very earlier match with Darby and they did a a whole like four or five minute Lucha sequence that Max, you wouldn't think necessarily he could pull off, but these guys had fun with that and, and really got the crowd riled up. So we know Max can go. Obviously we've seen Ricky more specifically recently in the tournament the eliminator for the uh, contendership have a, a sort of a array. We've had the match with, uh, I was going to say Lance, but uh, Lance Hoyt, but uh, <laughs> the murder Hawk, <laughs> same guy, we've seen his match with uh, Lance Archer seen, obviously the match with all ego, Ethan page. And uh, you know, just, just seeing him kind of go up against different opponents and kind of hold his own. He we're pushing the sort of underdog babyface piece, but yeah, I I'm looking forward to this match. To harken back to a little bit of uh, sort of a spoiler piece that you mentioned, since it's for the world championship and the dynamite diamond ring, you know, maybe not necessarily thinking that 
Ricky is going to win the world championship and the Dynamite Diamond Ring from Max at this upcoming Winter is Coming, but I'm still looking forward to the match. I feel like I know what the outcome is going to be, but I'm looking forward to the journey of the match itself. Yeah. It, I'm a wee bit disappointed that they are combining these two matches into one. Uh, maybe time constraints, the reason why? Um, poor booking on the Bookerman, like TK. What are you? What are you doing here? Like, I, maybe I not overexposing and having two matches close together with two guys. You see, I get that, but at the same time, we've. I I would understand that if it wasn't for the fact that we saw CM Punk versus John Moxley for the AW title three freaking days before they had that fight again or like a week before they had that again I think so it was I like would the, understand yeah, that 10 days between the two matches or something like that either way either yeah. way yeah. it was stupid it was uncalled for and it was absolutely nonsensical because we had John Rattian and then he lost it didn't make John look strong it didn't make Punk look strong. It didn't make either man look weak. It made the title look like crap. In my opinion, if you do those kinds of things, you're nothing but a moron. And it was one of TK's worst decisions in the entire thing. Okay? But you can play these things off in the sense of you give this match um you give this match time to breathe in the sense that uh, it was a poor idea to have the winner of the tournament uh, get the title shot at Winter is Coming if you knew that you were doing the Diamond Ring Battle Royale and having Ricky win that too. You should have split those up and you should have had the winner, uh, you should have had this tournament maybe either later or you should have had it closer to a different pay-per-view or a different time so that you could have these two separate matches where Ricky could win the ring and show that there are cracks in MJF's armor, but then you could also have MJF win because now he doesn't have the ring anymore. He's not the four-time champion. There is weakness there because of another you know, younger wrestler, not one of these guys who's been around the block a million times, you have that sort of um, you know, dent in the armor of what MJF is trying to do, and you immediately get him to sort of uh, renege on his promise of never defending the title and him not wrestling very often because he just had one match and now he's about to have another match a couple of weeks later. It would have been really good for me to see this with about two weeks' time in between. Um, I don't like the fact that this is happening because MJF doesn't need the diamond ring. He's not elevating the diamond ring. It would have been elevated on Ricky Starks. The importance of having this ring, which I, I didn't even realize that MJF won it last year, is how much attention I paid to it because it was pointless. I barely remember him winning it the second time. Uh but, you know, the first time was the most was the most fun around it. So if you're going to continue having this dynamite diamond ring thing, you need to put a bit more pomp and circumstance around it. And I feel like giving that to Ricky and having him threatening 
max would be really really good for not only max but ricky in in general um and obviously it would kind of also show some importance to the to the whole dynamite diamond ring thing because i kind of just assumed that mjf was going to win it now that there's avenues for more interesting storylines i'm kind of annoyed that mjf's going to win it doesn't to me seem like good booking or or good storytelling yeah it's an interesting mix the notion of if you make a prize a dynamite diamond ring championship belt if the company makes it important and they present it as important then me as the fan can understand that it's important and it has value so the nature of sort of your last point of do we is it important type of thing you know you you kind of didn't even recall maybe like his second or third time winning the or retaining it rather type of thing like that so yeah it's very very interesting but I'm in agreement. If you want to make it a big deal, you have to present it as a big deal for us to make it feel like it's a big deal. The notion of I'm kind of on the fence about because of the nature of having the the punk mox thing basically two matches roughly in 10 days time that they did a couple months back. So maybe it's a little bit of a gun shy thing to because Ricky already had by virtue of the tournament shot at the champion so we know it's mjf right that's set in stone now by virtue of ricky winning the uh, battle royale he has sort of that sort of other opportunity so they're melding it into one i mean i feel like they had a little bit of sour taste in their mouth with uh, maybe the punk and the mox thing so maybe they're not going with the two thing i can understand that notion okay i kind of get it but if they were to break it up into two sort of matches and have a little bit of space in between, maybe like obviously the ones for the world title because of the eliminator tournament and the other sort of matchup is for the prestigious dynamite diamond ring. And I love the fact that if I'm remembering correctly, you know, all those years back in 2019, I think it was DDP ended up giving the ring to Mac sort of initially. And they were like, Oh yeah, it's 20 some odd thousand dollars. And then like the next week it was like, Oh, it's like 28,000 and it was like 30. So it kind of kept going up in price. And I think maybe Excalibur during the battle Royale was like, yeah, it's a $130,000 ring. I was like, oh yeah, we're going to keep going with this gimmick that it keeps going up in, in value. I love it. But where I'm going with this is if they have the match for the title and then they subsequently have the match for the ring. If we feel like MJF's going to win the match for the title but then he loses the match for the ring. I feel like it could have helped Ricky, obviously, and you can have him have a have an accolade, have a championship, have a thing, and him sort of carry it and be the, the champion proponent of that. But then does it does it make your world champion look weak because he took a loss type of thing? No. So I'm just I'm just kind of thinking. I'll tell you why you do not have the title shot first. You have the title match second. You do not have uh, the title match before uh, the ring match. You have the ring match first. And we all, and the reason you have the ring match first is because we have just got off a storyline where uh, he struggled to fight Mox and he only beat him with the Nox. So the fact that he loses the, the Dynamite Diamond ring match means that everybody goes, ha ha. 
it was only because of Regal. You got rid of him. It's all your fault. You're now going to lose the title to Ricky in your next match. It gives Ricky confidence, gives Ricky ammo. And then MJF pulls it out of the bag and go, what do you want to say about that now? Because that makes MJF really strong after that. It puts that sort of fear of the fear of God in him and uh, about I might possibly lose this. It was all because of William Regal that I won that. I've now gotten rid of him. I've kind of shot myself in the foot. But then you have them go out, you have them have a clean match, a banger of a match, which we know they can. Um, and then, you know, he maybe even steals Ricky's diamond ring and uses the diamond ring on him and goes, doesn't matter if it's not mine, I'm still going to use it uh, and wins that way. Either way, whatever it is, that's how you keep your champion strong because it all, it, it, you do not have to keep one person strong by weakening another. You can elevate both guys if you just put enough attention into the sequence of events that goes into this storyline, especially if you can take into consideration the events leading up to this. If you don't disagree, or if you do disagree, rather, the, my, my storytelling of that se sequence of events uh, is, is rather BS, and you think that would weaken the champion, that's on you. You're probably a CM Punk fan. I think we've seen no numerous times that a person losing can still look strong. You can still look strong in defeat. We've seen that numerous times over across uh, the years in many promotions, so it's definitely a thing. I think us, during our inadvertent and impromptu fantasy booking, I feel like in a situation like you presented, would make sense. In those sort of aspects and, those, and that booking that you presented, I feel like you can make it work. But unfortunately, we are shoehorned into the piece that we already had that title shot set, and then we had the Dynamite Diamond Ring situation. So now they're putting it on in one match rather than in two different ones. So yeah, it's super interesting. I get it. But in terms of the match itself, uh, are you in agreement that we feel like MGF's going to come out ultimately with the victory and retain? Yeah, I feel like because they've they've sandwiched these two together, they've they've played they've shown their hand. Um, turn of phrase, uh, they've shown their hand, and Ricky is unfortunately uh, not going to win either. Personally, it would have been a really good stepping stone to see Ricky um, built up from the ring onwards, much like Max has been built up from the ring. Um, so I'm, I'm really disappointed. Uh, I want better for, for Ricky. Uh, but at the same, at the same time, we're about to have an AEW championship match with two young guys who are essentially AEW stock. Like they're not from WWE. They're not big names from other promotions. Whether or not you want to argue that because he was a TV champion in NWA you know, is, is kind of besides the point, but let's, let's face it, he wasn't a huge name uh, coming into neither neither was MJF. Um, neither was uh, sort of a huge name coming into AW, and they've been built up through AEW. So I'm super excited to see this main event. Uh, super excited to see this on free TV. And um, yeah, it's. It's going to be good, but it could have been better. Fair. Yeah, I think we're both in agreement that 
MJF's going to retain, but we're still looking forward to the match because it's going to be fun. We definitely both think that Ricky can look strong and defeat in said match. But the piece here that maybe our winding down portion of this is that if we don't believe that Ricky is going to win the world championship off of Max right now, obviously AEW is high on Ricky and they've been pushing him and, and giving him screen time and things of such. So if he's not going to win the world title right now from Max, you know, we still see a Ricky Starks push. I feel like we can still see one. It could be interesting to how they can navigate him that after the world title match, but what do you maybe see next for Ricky? So there are a couple of avenues where I see Mr. Starks kind of being able to work. Uh, I do not think that Ricky is going to go along without that AEW title. Um, I feel like maybe 2024 might be his year um for for that title but for this year uh maybe we kind of put him into the uh we, we kind of just want to put him into storylines to start with i feel like putting him into uh, a storyline i don't really have anybody in mind currently to sort of throw him in with but if we have him spend at least the early parts of of 2023 and then for him to go after either the uh, all Irish Ocean English Channel French Canal uh, Championship that's only defended on Rampage um, by uh, by Mister um, Nectarine Cassidy. Um, if we have him, maybe win that. Uh, that would be good because it would give him a consistent sort of title that he could then build from. Or you could have him win. The TNT title. I don't think Joe is the person for him to beat, but it would be good to see him beat Joe. If he was to beat Joe, that'd be fantastic for Ricky. But I don't think Joe is the guy for him to go up against. Uh, TNT title, uh, all oceans, Indian Ocean, uh, English Channel, French Canal, whatever you want to call it, championship. Uh, those two are really, really good for me. Keep him away from the tag team titles. Keep him away from Hobbs. Hobbs needs to be built up as well. Um, but please, 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 TK, Mr. Bookerman, the guy with the pocket, uh, the pocket billionaire uh, father, do not forget about Ricky Starks. Let that man on the microphone an awful lot more often. Put him in compelling stories. Get that man on our TV screens. He is going to be big for the company. I'll tend to agree with you. I feel like he can, after this piece here, he might still have some animosity towards MJF, of course, because everybody has to and wants to feel like they need to go after the world title. But I feel like a sort of feud with a veteran could be good. Give me some interesting storylines. Make me care. Make me get invested in Ricky. Keep him important. Maybe every couple of weeks, you know, cut that promo or have that match and keep a thing going. And I think we definitely talked offline as well about it. But yeah, I think something like an All-Atlantic maybe a TNT title to sort of prep him maybe in the the middle months of the coming year could be something that Ricky could keep him strong and kind of keep him in the forefront and grow a little bit as well. So yeah, I feel like, I feel like something like that could help him stay strong in defeat and, but still keep his momentum going type of thing. But uh, yeah, we're both in it. Like we said, in a green set, 
too early for MJF to drop the title to Ricky, but we're still going to have a fun matchup to watch. But we should definitely continue to push Ricky, and we just hope that Tony Money, the sugar man himself, is definitely, hopefully, listening. And we continue to push Ricky and have him on our screens in some capacity in one form or another. All right, so those were our thoughts on Ricky Starks and MJF's confrontation, a little bit of Ricky's growth, his journey in AEW, his upcoming match with MJF at Winter's Coming, and a bit of his future, which we'd like to see. If you'd agreed with our comments or you disagreed, let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube, or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and let us know what your thoughts are on Ricky Starks and MJF. Alright, so that about is going to wrap it up for us, Joker. How was that for you, brother? Because that was a fun one for me. Yeah, that was good. We always kind of think about these things where we're like uh, 100% going to only talk about one topic. It, we can't really go for much longer than maybe 45 minutes. And yeah, we, we managed to break that one hour and 10 minutes there, brother. It's one I'm of those. I'm always amazed at the amount of waffle we can talk. It's one of those where we try to have a little bit of an idea. We have some bullet points, much like the Attitude Era. We have some things that we want to cover. We have the uh, sort of bullet point notions, but we end up. We didn't go super tangent today. We stayed pretty much on course, but much like our earlier prediction shows if you've listened to some of those man hot dang can we talk yeah next time you say that you want to flesh something out i'm just going to keep my mouth shut and say no it's good enough as is because i'm pretty sure i added three of those points because you were like kind of feels like we need to flesh it out and like yeah well what about if we do this and then yeah that this is what happens pt this is what happens no it's all good it's it's one of those where we can we can talk about sort of a topic and and add context, right? A lot of the points here is it's not sort of our run-of-the-mill kind of show. We're trying to go for the sort of aforementioned low-hanging fruit. We're kind of always kind of like hot-button topics or things. It's like, that, yeah, we end up covering the things that we're super interested in. And like we aforementioned, you, both you and I really liked this particular confrontation. We gave a little bit of context we give a little bit of history we're giving as the pieces as to why this is happening and why this is important and why we wanted to cover this piece and where we think it's going to go and it's one of those where like you said it might not be the uh the hot button topic of a particular week of thing but it's something that i feel like if you give us an opportunity you give us a watch you give us a listen that you can definitely get the value out of the conversation and maybe learn a thing or two from it and more so from you because mine is just an awful lot of waffle followed by fantasy booking followed by even more waffle i think it's the fun nature of our dynamic so for some of the folks that may be a little bit new we both have a little bit different background and and things that we're familiar with and levels of interest in different characters and different promotions and things as such. So I think we both bring something a little bit different to the table. Something I know sort of on the back end when I'm watching and editing and, and kind of reviewing some of our content. 
there are I'm more often than not sort of the sort of the straight man and try to give a little bit more of the informative piece and every once in a while I'll let my prana personality and throw a joke and and kind of thing like that where I try to be sort of as informative as I can and add the context and and I love the piece when you have a great storytelling element and you like to throw your personality a little bit more in and you just the way you kind of throw in references and things like that. I really enjoy that. So if I feel like we work well together because we bring a little bit different things to the table and you can kind of learn a little bit different things from both of us. Oh, 100%. You definitely keep me on track. Otherwise, I could go on tangent after tangent after tangent all day long and unlike some other shows we try to keep it a little bit more succinct but hey you know if you're down to listen to a three or four hour podcast from some of our other colleagues in the internet wrestling community they have amazing podcasts too but we try to keep it a little bit more succinct so we hope you enjoy it like we enjoy it as well four topic show four hours let's go new year that that's what that's what our one year anniversary show is going to be a four-hour podcast heck yeah future pt is gonna love it oh i'm sweating already hot diggity (laughs) all right so we appreciate you coming along on this journey and if you enjoy to learn something definitely let us know down in the comment section below or hit us up on twitter instagram and if you have something that you like from from myself pt your old pal pt Or the brother man, the good brother at TF Joker, let us know. So, for TF Joker. I'm coming for my royalties on these promos, TK. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other. And we will catch you next time. Peace.